myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past I'm dwelling on the thoughts I cannot say to you If I don't say the words that maybe Good evening, welcome along to NUFC Matters. It's me, Steve Wraith, here on a Thursday night, as always, with Super Mac and Gibbo, better known as the Chris Wood Appreciation Society after last week's show. <laughs> well, uh, we are, absolutely, yes, it's a fan <laughs> club of two. <laughs> and uh, you, you, you're no surprise to know that the first question that came in was about Chris Wood, but I just want to say, first of all, thank you to Sefton Mag. Uh, for um, doing his little bit of uh, inviting uh, Northwest Mags. Uh, they've got their own WhatsApp group, I think, uh, over to the channel. He's just mentioned it in the chat. Big thank you to you, mate. Nice to have you on board. Thanks for spreading the word in the Northwest of England. Uh, means a lot. And uh, we hit 49,000 subscribers this week as well, which is uh, quite phenomenal. Uh, I've been led to believe that's more than go to watch Sunderland now, uh, now watch this channel. So uh, that's fantastic. Good stuff. It's the way it should be. It should be. <laughs> Let's hit 52,000 before the end of the season. That will be fantastic. Okay. The first question, I dread to ask it Stephen Kennedy I think Wood is an okay squad member but question is finishing online and you get nothing but abuse Stephen Kennedy then says I've asked them would you bet your life savings or your home on him getting double figures next season and they don't reply why is that I, and then he follows this up with I'm not wanting to start another 35 minute Wood debate mind you <laughs> well let's Let's just let's just start and finish with this. Um, look, Chris, Chris Wood, we did have a good chat about it last week. It was fantastic, and it got it got a lot of traction. A lot of people were very interested to hear what us three had to say because I think it, it summed up the way the fan base feel about Chris Wood. Um, you know, we we're another weekend, lads. We still haven't got that striker. Newcastle, of course, uh, all over the back papers, uh, the back page of the, some of the newspapers. Ludicrous. I'm not even going to name the paper that put put this headline up that was skint. Uh, because oh. of this deal that they've done with the bank, um, it's it's just standard practice, which every Premier League does uh, team does. But you know, we we are still being linked with strikers. The transfer window is open till the first of September. I still think we'll get one in. But the Chris Wood conundrum, you know, it's we put it to bed last week, didn't we, really, lads? You know, he's not going yeah. to be the first choice striker. He'll be a squad player unless we suddenly decide to sign two strikers. And Chris Wood then goes out. He may go out. Who knows? But, you know, I think we, we summed it up pretty well last week, didn't we, Malcolm? Mm, I think he's so. Not, he's not going to get 10. He's not going to get 10 goals. No. No. I, in fact, he won't get 10 shots. No, nah, he probably won't. No, but he, he probably won't feature a great deal. But he could still do a job, Mal. I think that's. I think where we finished last season was we all, uh, last week. Sorry, we knew we know the situation with Chris Wood, um, and you know I, I put a good stern defence up for him last week. But he's not going to be playing lots of games. I don't think. I don't yeah. see it happening, Mal. Well, yeah. I hope I hope it doesn't because if it does, lads, if he does play a lot of games, it means Callum Wilson's injured, and we we can't afford that. And we haven't signed a striker, but I think we'll yes. have one. And, and I agree with what Mitch has said this week. Mitch, uh, on Wednesday night, last night's show, he said, I think we'll have, before the 1st of September, I think we'll have four in and four out. And I believe that's, I think that's about right. I think we'll have another four off the payroll, whether they go on permanent or or, or on season-long loans. And, and then I think we'll have another, maybe three or four in. You know, I, that's where I think we'll be. So we'll, we'll wait and see. It's 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 not over until it's over. And the transfer window has already been busier than usual for us. And I think it'll continue to be busy, John. And I mean, lots yes. of lots lot you know lots of potential still to go on in this transfer window. Sure, well, and, and, what, what... and there's a long time to go. I think what's worried people is that we're suddenly starting playing a week Saturday and they're thinking, you know, let's not have an injury because we've got nobody in that stage because I wouldn't expect, I would expect the players that are there now will form the team against Forest because it would be very difficult to bring somebody in and put them straight into the team. But yes, I think we will sign before September the 1st. I think we've got to sign before September the 1st as far as the centre-forward's concerned. Uh, other positions might be the icing on the cake. We would look at a, a, a right winger. We could look at midfield, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But 
we need a centre forward in by September the 1st. I think that if there's no question about that at all. And we need him to be more successful than Chris Wood has been because however successful he's been in open play and a lot of supporters support him in what he did during the unbeaten run, etc. Uh, I don't attribute that much to him for that one. But we need goals up top. And if Callum Wilson goes out the side, which is the only way Chris would start, then where's where goals coming from? We've got to hope that Bruno or Willick discovers what he had the season before last. Uh, otherwise, where do our goals come from? Um, we've got to get a, a strike in. But yes, time's on the side. And it remains... I think it, it hit the club that they didn't get a ticket in from... Um, from France because he was ideal for them. He was 19, he was the right age, he had a lot going for him, he would accept the bench and coming on. And I think he ticked all the boxes and once he was out of the running, having gone to Paris Saint-Germain, it's become a totally new ballgame. Mal, your thoughts? Uh, I... My, I, I really do um, believe that we we need to get somebody in. Um, we we cannot we can't rely on either of the forwards. One is it, it, it gets injured too easily and is out for long spells, and and the other guy cannot score goals. And I think that's a bit of a desperate situation, to be honest. Um, that. Uh, it, the one thing that you, if, if you look at all of the successful sides in the Premiership, they've all got that one man up front who will guarantee you goals. Um, and, 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 and I mean, we, we have talked. success. Yeah, we've talked, Malcolm, uh, when I say we, obviously Eddie, <laughs> has talked about, well, we've got other players that can play there and he named Joe Linton and some maximum. But we don't want to go down that route. Joe Linton is doing very, very well where he is, superbly well where he is. He didn't as a centre-forward, so we don't want to put those doubts back in his mind by playing him there. And St Maximum is not a through-the-middle striker. Um, it's debatable exactly what he is and how how potent he is, but he's not. So, yeah, it's it's. I think it's the one thing, guys, that stands out as a glaring... If we get a centre forward, I'll be happy to have also got a winger and perhaps another position, as Steve was saying, perhaps three. Uh, that would be marvellous. But I do want a centre forward. And if we don't have one, I'll be uneasy. And, um, you know, also, heaven forbid, we've got to have Callum Wilson stay fit during the month of August. Um, because... If we don't have a centre forward then, following Nottingham Forest, we've got Liverpool and Manchester City to come before the transfer window shuts. So we've got to, you know, we can't write off those early games. We've got to have cover there. If Callum Wilson plays all the time, then the situation's a lot easier. But would you gamble yeah. on that? Yeah, and it is a gamble. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. That That's the problem. Um, and... You know, if what the way I've always looked at it is <clears throat> that you're, you're the goals you get from your forwards, um, they basically get you out of the relegation area over the season. What you get them from midfield can get you up near to those European positions. And then the goals that that come from defenders, uh, then uh, that that's where you can get that bit of glory because the the total then um, starts to go up uh, um, to the kind of area where where you've got every chance you're challenging for trophies. Now, um, it it might sound a bit basic, but if you, it, but if you look at the records over years and decades. That's how it works. And, and and if your forwards aren't getting you clear of relegation come the end of the season, if their goals aren't picking up enough points, then the, the, then the midfield are having to jump in to do what the forwards do. And, and, and so 
all all of a sudden you're up against a brick wall goals take the pressure off we were never Malcolm Newcastle historically and this is just backing up what you've said there we've never looked in relegation trouble when we've had Alan Shearer, Malcolm McDonald, Jackie Milburn, Les Ferdinand, Andy Cole playing centre forward because they their goals took away all that fear. You don't I, I go that's down. exactly the point that I'm, I'm trying to get over, yes. Yep. You don't go yeah. down with people like no. that scoring the goals to score. You go down when your centre forward is scoring two or six or seven or eight. Um, you, you don't automatically go down then, but you're in danger. Uh, so, yeah, we've got to do something about it. I think we all know that, guys, and we've we've discussed it many, many times. And uh, I just get twitchy because, as Steve said, time is very much still on our side um, because we're not into August yet and we've got all of August. But I don't want to go too long. I'll feel happier once the centre-forward's in the nest. Sure. And, bit, and Bill says, Bill says, I don't think we need to worry about signings at the moment. They'll arrive when the club wants. Yeah, I don't think so because what you've got to remember is that that there's, there's more time to get to get things organised when the season actually starts because it's all been so frenetic organising pre-season training, organising trips away, um, organising tournaments at St James Park and and getting the, the players that are there at Newcastle, getting them fit, um, ready for the for the start of the season. Once the season starts, it it, it tends to calm down a bit and, uh, 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 and the football director can then um, uh, speak with a manager, you know, they, they can just walk along the corridor and go into the offices. That that, that hasn't been able to happen so far. The interesting summer. thing, what that guy was saying, and I do take the point that he's making, you know, calm down, guys, we've still got a month to go, signings will happen. But they don't happen when the club want them to happen. The club wanted it to happen within Tiki all, all January and all the beginning of this, if this, um, if this window and that now isn't happening. And the same's happened with other centre-forwards. The reality is that the most difficult people to sign are centre-forwards, especially goal-scoring centre-forwards. By that, I mean somebody with already got a track record. They're the difficulty. They're the hard guys to get. They either cost a fortune or other clubs that can offer more than us in Champions League, European football, etc. It becomes difficult. So it is difficult, but Newcastle are working hugely, hugely at it. And time is on our side. But time is only on our side, you know, and, until Callum Wilson gets injured. And every <laughs> bit he gets clocked against Nottingham Forest on the mm -hmm. opening day. Because then time is not on our side. So it, it, it's one of those situations. But I'm certainly not panicking at this situation, at this moment in time. But I will be a darn sight happier after that one uh, hole in the wall has been plugged. Mm. Lots of questions coming in, lots of opinions. Um, the one that everyone seems to be talking about, but well, there's two that everybody seems to be talking about. First of all, uh, Tom Dixon came in with this. He says, Malcolm and John, what's your thoughts on Miggy Almiron so far during pre-season? I'm hoping he continues his great form. Uh, lots of other people seem to agree. Uh, there was a question and a comment about him as well. Here, Miggy's eyebrows saying, with Miggy being in superb pre-season form, do you think the attention now switches to a left-sided attacking midfielder? Lots of praise for Almiron. And I mean, look, you know, pre-season's pre-season. Scoring in pre-season doesn't really matter as not scoring in pre-season doesn't really matter either. You know, Simonke Pursuit says... Superman Gibble were laughing at people praising McGee for scoring two against Gateshead because of the level of opposition, which is fair. But two against the champions of Portugal, is he ready to kick on? Maybe a right winger isn't a priority as we thought. He does need to do the business in the Premier League, though, of course. So lots of praise for Almiron, Malcolm. What's your take on him? And I, I did go on record a couple of months back and said, I think he would be a one to watch under Howe, especially after the way he finished last season. I think he could do a little bit of a, a Perez, if you like. Mm. Yeah, well, I, um, I await seeing him do it. Uh, I, I and and with bated breath as well. Um, I, 
I can't see that change in him um, happening because he's a, a, a he's a, a blind alley runner, and you can't suddenly turn that around on its head um, and, and become a dangerous goal scorer. It, it, so, yeah, okay, you got two two against Benfica away from home. Very good, very good. But is he going to be able to do that against the Liverpools and the Manchester Cities um, in the Premier League? And, uh, well, I have my doubts. Um, I hope he does. I really hope he does because, um, because the fellow's quick, he's lively, um, he's got an awful lot going for him, but it's just sticking the ball in the net that, um, that has become a major headache for him. Mm, Gibble, Gibble, Almiron, he's, he's always played with a smile on his face. He's been a very, you know, very busy player. Very, you know, we've, we've never criticised his effort, but he's always, he's always yeah. lacked that killer touch. Um, we've seen flashes of it. We saw a, a wonderful winning goal last season. Um, there's always been something about him, but ultimately, you know, he, he could just save us a few quid if, if he, he seems to play well with Bruno Gibble. Well, what, what we're looking for here, or sorry, what fans are looking for here, is that they've seen the vast, unexpected improvements in other Newcastle players under Eddie Howe. Now, the spectacular one is obviously Joe Linton, who went from a £40 million flop to a £40 million hero. That was all to do with a change of position, of course. But we've also seen Emil Kraft look a totally different player mm. under him. Uh, Shelby, when when uh, Eddie Howe first come, Shaw, who was a, a walking mistake uh, under Bruce, has looked a, a, a ball-playing defender under Howe. So this stardust that Eddie seems to carry in his inside pocket, everybody's waiting for him to sprinkle it on the head of whoever in you know, sprinkle it on the head of some maximum and he suddenly starts doing these tricks and putting the ball in the net. Sprink has he already sprinkled it on the head of Almiron? Fans are putting a lot of credence in what Eddie is capable of doing. And he does do that sort of thing. There's no question. And one of the great things he does with players is build up their confidence. And that is very necessary. You look at Joe Lynn centre forward and you look at Joel in the midfield player and the greatest difference is the sky high confidence he has now coming back to Almiron I think this is a make or break season for him without a shadow of doubt he's now been yeah. here three and a half seasons and has produced an awful lot of promise in little else uh, last season he scored a worldie which uh, you know we, we looked at uh, what he scored against Benfica but the world, he was the only goal he got all season and he had yeah. no assists. He has yeah. got to do... And there's a huge difference between delivering pre-season in friendlies and when I, the Benfica game was anything but a friendly. They made it hugely competitive and we reacted. I mean, Bruno and uh, Joe Linton were walking a disciplinary line by wedging the tackles in in return for what Benfica were doing um, so it wasn't a friendly in essence but we want to see Miggy do what he did against Benfica against Gateshead if he can't do it he may as well go back to Paraguay and I'm a big lover of Gateshead because it's my old club but the difference in class is enormous what he did against Benfica was different. But if you watched against the space he was given against Benfica, if we think Manchester City and Liverpool in the first month of the season will give them that space, we've got another thing coming. I hope that he continues in that form because he's a lovable guy and also we need every player to, to, to step up and improve 10%. But I've got to see it. I'm waiting to see it. For three and a half years... I've been sort of expecting it because he's quick, because he runs, because he's so enthusiastic, because he smiles. We've been hanging on promises for three and a half years. I want those promises to produce fruition and not in pre-season when the chips are down. Uh, so I'm not saying right now he's the next genius of the assembly line and we don't need a right winger. 
far from it. Let him start to do the business against Nottingham Forest and continue it until the transfer window is closed. Uh, in, he needs that because if he goes back to the old Miggy, at the end of this season, he will be finished here. So he can either be a star or he can be finished. Over to you, Miggy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Over to, over to Miggy. Lots of people talking about the centre-half position as well. Um, you know, with regards to the, the backup there, you know, the, the fact that Lascelles didn't cover himself in glory and, and the appearances that he's had, of course, he was handed the uh, the captain's armband as well. So what's your take on that, Mal, the, the centre-half position? We brought Sven Botman in, one of the players we wanted in January. We finally got him in this transfer window. Yeah. Uh, we got Dan Byrne, of course, in January. Um, one would imagine those those two centre-halves are fairly nailed on. You've got Shaw, um, you know, you've got Fernandez, you've got Lascelles. Uh, you know, have we got enough in that area? I think we have, yes. Um, but I, I, I still uh, stand by um, my feeling that uh, um, Lascelles is a liability. Um, I've got, I, I don't have any faith in him. And uh, and watching him, he gives me the impression he hasn't got faith in himself. That he wants, he, he, he wants to have um, fellow centre-halves covering him um and and that tells me that he's, he's concerned that he's going to be making mistakes um i i, I think obviously um uh, botman and burn are um are, are going to be the, the the first choice center halves um uh, and i think that they will be able to to make a really good um partnership and have confidence in each other and that's what the cells lacks. He hasn't got the confidence in himself, and therefore people don't have confidence in him. Um, and and the whole thing starts to become a liability. Um, and and it's all very well people saying, "Oh yeah, but he's a really good uh, club captain." I want more than that. I'm afraid I want a lot more than that. There's there's other players who play brilliantly. And, and will make good captains, Trippier for one. So, uh, uh, um, I, if if um, if I were ready, how to be quite honest, I would I would quite happily uh, move um, Lascelles on. What's your thoughts on that, John? In, interesting, interesting. Um, when Botman first signed for Newcastle, uh, I was the first, one of the first people to write that because I wrote it straight away that um, he's predominantly a left footer and so is Byrne. But if we regularly team right foot footers together in a football team, why can't you f uh, play two left footers together, i.e. both uh, Byrne and Botman as your two centre-offs? Mm. Because if you, you, quite often, many, many times in football, two right-footers are partners, so why can't yes. two left-footers be partners? And I said that, and all fans have jumped on that because, not because I said it, but because they love Burn. They love Burn from last season, heart the size of a fine pan, the size of Grey's Monument, uh, Geordie, everything to like, and mm. he's very popular. And Botman is a good, good signing. But you know what intrigues me? And it's just a thought deep down. Because I always say, it does, at the end of the day, it doesn't necessarily matter what we think. The only thing that matters is what Eddie Howe thinks, because he picks the team. Now, the interesting thing is that in the last 48 hours, Botman has come, down, come out and said, my favourite position is definitely playing on the left. I'm left-footed, I'm predominantly left-footed, I play on the left. Yes, I've played on the right before, but it's not by choice. And people say there's no difference between being the right-sided centre-half and the left-sided centre-half. Yes, there is. There's a huge difference. This is what he's saying. There's a huge difference, and I don't necessarily like playing on the right. And when I played on the right for Newcastle and won the pre-season friendlies, I found it very, very different. Now, if you follow that thinking and you think that I spent 30 million on him, I think there's a, a 5% chance 
and it's I'm just trying to second guess how that he'll come out with Shaw and Botman on the opening day of the season against mm. Spurs. Mark well, Bayers agrees with you. Botman and Shaw will be the starting pair. Yeah, I, I I believe that that is a great possibility rather than... But, and then, if that's so, I am intrigued because I'm intrigued as to why after Byrne just joined us in January, you buy another left-sided centre-half effectively to take his place. And yeah. it's obvious that Bobman doesn't like playing right side. I can't see Byrne playing right side under any circumstances whatsoever. So because he plays either left side or left back, which which he did for Brighton on occasions. So I'm fascinated. I would still have gone down the route of it being Bobman and Byrne, which is what I said from day one. But I've got a feeling because of what Bobman feels about the position, etc., etc., and he will have talked about it to his manager before he signed. The same as Pope will have talked to the manager that he's the number one keeper before he would agree to sign. I've got a ten percent feeling that we might go Sean Botman on the opening day, and that'll be intriguing because where's Burnham after that? And yeah. the simple answer is. That it's a squad game, not a team game, and everybody's going to get a lot of chances over a whole season. But it's fascinating, and I don't think it's quite as clear cut as we all think it is. No, definitely not. It's a massive talking point. Everyone's talking about it. Michael yeah. says that it's a massive difference. John's right. Our best pair is Shaw and Botman. But uh, Burn covers for Botman. The big concern is who covers for Shaw, who is not shy of an injury. Yeah, very, very true. Um, Newcastle just announced that both friendlies uh, this weekend will be on NUFC's uh, website, which is great. So we'll be on the TV channel, NUFC TV, which is absolutely great for those of you who uh, haven't purchased tickets or who live too far away to, to come to the game. So good news again from Newcastle. Big shout out, as always, to our sponsors. Uh, Spider Miner, worldwide coverage from the lads, the only cryptocurrency miner that can mine five different cryptocurrencies at the same time, whilst using virtually no energy, and it's VPN protected. Buy yours now at www.miner.spidervpn.org. Thanks to Skips and Bins, telephone 0800 25 email inquiries at skipsandbins.com, website www.skipsandbins.com, easy contract free and pays you go waste collection. Thanks to LNG Family Funeral Directors, 0191389725 and a garden of healing dispensary CBD hemp and cannabinoid specialists www.thegohd.com now their shop is open on Nun Street thanks to Away Day Clothing and thanks to qtechshop.co.uk the makers of pool tables, snooker tables and walls in Newcastle and the guys who run our website nufcmatters.com Thanks to Mr. Vicky's Handmade Sources in Cumbria. And you can find them at mrvickies.co.uk or by phone in 01768 210102. Big shout out as well to Media Arts for all the help on the video side of things. If you want to subscribe to the channel, hit the Newcastle and uh, UFC Matters logo in the bottom right-hand corner. Hit the thumb up to like the video and click share, share to your social media. We're also available as uh, a podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and other podcast providers. And uh, that usually goes up 24 hours after the show is complete. Uh, media Arts uh, are closed for a couple of weeks, so that has taken a little bit of time. But he has added uh, he has added a few of those podcasts. So if you are used to use, uh, listening to the show as a podcast, I think he's updated quite a few over the last 24 hours, despite them being on holiday. So you've got a little bit to listen to there. Mm -hmm. If you want to become a member, click join underneath the video or put your smartphone over the top of the QR code and it'll take you straight to the membership pack. If you do it that way, you can get a cup, a pen, a scarf and a membership card and entry into the monthly draw. We also send you a free car sticker if you subscribe. Just email john at nufcmatters.com to get that. And please make donations to the food bank, nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk. The match day bucket is virtual and you can make a donation 365 days of the year. Don't forget as well, Gibbo is on with Frank Clark, Monday the 5th of December 2022. Time Mouth Surf Cafe, get yourself onto their website to get the last remaining tickets for that. The NUFC Matters Super 6 score predictor is uh, on the horizon. Join the Matters gang, enter into our own league, £10 per entry of the season, cash prize winner every month, exclusive manager of the month t-shirt, and a cash prize for the overall season winner. 
Clothier Manager of the Year t-shirt. Sign up now at nufcmatters.com. <clears throat> and the Peter Beardsley Soccer School is, uh, had a great week this week and um, even had a new goalkeeper in uh, this week. John from QTech, he says, can I just say, after being lucky enough to stand in as a one-armed centre-back on Peter Beardsley's side today, even at 61, the man is still a genius, not one straight pass in an hour. I won't be able to walk tomorrow, John says, but I wouldn't swap it for the world. But yeah, been a big success. Uh, it's been fully booked all week. And why shouldn't it be? True legend of Newcastle United. Uh, a true legend of the game. And uh, a big shout out to Peter Beardsley and uh, everybody who's attended that. I think everyone's had a, a fantastic time. Okay, back to the comments. And uh, still a few questions that we uh, need to touch on. Paul says, Hi lads, do you think there was ever a plan B when we missed out on Ekatiki? Was there a plan B, Malcolm? It doesn't really look like it. Mm, well, it certainly doesn't seem as if there was uh, for the moment, but there is still, as we said earlier in the program, there's still a a, a long way to go before the um, the time's up on the window. So uh, uh, we we shall see. Um, I, I, things will happen. Of that, I'm 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 very very sure. I don't know that there was. I, I honestly believe that. Um, they, they thought, you know, patience is golden. Uh, if we hang in, if we're persistent, if we're loyal, if we prove we really want the guy, the guy will eventually come. And that proved successful with Botman, who we were in for in January, who we were in for again at the beginning of this summer. AC Milan were mentioned, big hitters, etc. We stuck in, stuck in, stuck in, and we got him. It didn't work with the kid. The, the the kid was obviously touting himself for for Paris Saint Germain all the while. Uh, we thought would get him, and he fitted the identical picture. The situation facing Newcastle now is very stark because you're going at the two ends age-wise of the spectrum. Ideally, Newcastle want is is center forward who is 19 20 21 with bags of potential long-term future here sit on the bench go in and eventually take over from wilson you go the other end of the criteria you spend big money on an established center forward and he wants to play from the start and and unless they go to a two up top which eddie doesn't want to then he can't play from the start because there's no question that Eddie will start with Wilson when Wilson's fit mm. and ready to go. So there's a problem. If you buy a £40 million centre-forward, you would know, Malcolm, he ain't going to sit on the bench, mind, and say, that's OK, I'll wait till Wilson's injured. He's sure. going to come if he, only if he starts. Then your only option is you take a 32-year-old on loan before September the 1st who might be willing depending if he's on the other side of the hill slightly, he might be willing to do that. There's a real problem for Newcastle, which I don't think they expected to have to face after mm. in the game, and they haven't to face it now. Mm. Yeah, the agent, had a lot, the agent had a lot to do with it, John, as somebody's rightly pointed out. Oh, there's, there's and there's Stephen Hopkin no also says there's no coincidence that since the arrival of Dan Ashworth, the gossip doors have been firmly shut, and <laughs> rightly so. The, the agent's been an absolute was an absolute disaster for us. There's absolutely no question that he didn't want it to happen to Newcastle for whatever reason. Perhaps his take, he wasn't going to get enough door, etc., etc. But he was a problem. He could have pushed that deal over the line way before now. And did you notice the relief from the agent when Paris Saint Germain? eventually did the deal he actually went on record and said thanks very much to the player for sticking with me etc etc i got you over the line in the end so in other words there was that feeling there between agent and player are we gambling too much and it can all go pear-shaped and i'll end up with nowhere to go the agent wasn't a help to us and the agents in football are a massive problem because they play their angles and they want an absolute fortune Agents these days are as rich as footballers because they've got more than one footballer and what they do is sell all the players if they can in a close season and make millions out of that. There is a fortune to be made. 
they're the Colonel Parker in football who made a fortune out of Elvis. It's better now to not to be Elvis, to be Colonel Parker. And that's what this lot are doing. Uh, Dave asked this question earlier. He says, um, what do you think of Richie playing on the right wing and Murphy on the left, both playing out of position? <laughs> well, it doesn't make a great deal of sense to me. Um, Murphy in particular, he's a terrific crosser of the ball. Well, they both are, but they need to be on their favourite uh, sides. And you're not going to get crosses for them on, on the opposite sides because they're, they're, they're always going to have to cut back onto, onto their good foot. Um, it, it loses time, it loses space, um, and the ball is then coming in curling towards the goalkeeper and it makes the goalkeeper favorite in in so many instances so no i don't see the sense of it what you want are crosses coming in which are are, are are curling away from the goalkeeper but they're curling right into the center forwards run yeah. Gibble, richie's got to be one of those on the list hasn't he uh, Gibble, I, can, I was going to say I can follow all that, Steve, that, that Malcolm says, and Malcolm knows more than anybody what you want from a winger. I haven't been a centre-forward of his calibre himself. There seems to be a situation in modern football where quite often, and not just at Newcastle, they play the wingers the wrong way around and, and have them cut in instead of them going wide towards the mm -hmm. corner flag and whipping in crosses. They have them check in on the other foot and cut inside. Um, I'm not a great believer in that, but despite what Malcolm says about Murphy, and I do respect that, and I do think he crosses a magnificent ball, I've got to be truthful. If I think about Murphy and Richie, I think Newcastle United ought to buy a winner because I don't yeah. think they're good enough for where Newcastle are going. Where you are hoped to be going, I think if we talk about those two, we're in trouble. Billy Trace says, uh, no cross is good when Chris Wood is the target. I... Don't start. Don't start. Uh, is it, <laughs> Michael says, is ASM undroppable if we don't make any more signings? And is Fraser on the left and Miggy on the right not our best option? And ASM is an impact sub, Malcolm. Uh, it, I, I, I see the strength of the argument here. Um, uh, uh, I... Personally, I would hope sincerely that ASM isn't undroppable, as, as the first part of that uh, text is asking. Um, Malcolm, Malcolm, there's people with Mal, there's people within St James's Park tell me privately that if they could get anywhere near 40 million for um, they'd let him go. For, oh, they would book the taxi and drive them down themselves yeah. to London, be it Chelsea or Spurs. Yes. The difficulty is they mightn't get enough money to justify that. And, John, and when, I... by the way, when he doesn't go by September the 1st, we will be fed the quotes, we never wanted this man to go, we're going to build a team around him. Yeah. They yeah. would drive him down there. If, if they could get that money, they would drive him down to London as chauffeurs tomorrow morning. Mm, mm. Mm. Yeah. Lots of questions. Let's see what else can be um, can be said from this. Mark Patterson says there. Hi, Steve, Malcolm, and Gibble. Bit of a history lesson from the two legends, if possible. I wondered where Malcolm trained as an NUFC player and if any of the lads had any great stories from back in the day. So Mark um asks a question about training there, Malcolm. Uh we 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 trained on the um, on what was the old cricket ground. Um, oh dear! Vickers uh, Armstrong's at Benwell, Malcolm, was it? No, 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 no. Uh, that was after you. That was after. Oh, you. Uh, it, uh, yeah. It, no, it was the old Benwell Cricket Club. They moved. They moved to a ground on on the main road, on the West Road. Yes. And uh, and it sort of laid laid somewhat back from there. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, it, it was the old the old Benwell Cricket Club um, that, that we trained on, and it it had a cricket pavilion, and and it just it wasn't suitable at all for for um, sort of like 30, 30 odd professional footballers. 
you know, being divided into two small dressing rooms, the the, the baths and, and, and showers were, were somewhat insufficient, but that was Newcastle at the time, you know, and we, we just got on with it. Um, and, uh, it, and, and the wind could blow up there as well. By heavens, it could. <laughs> I, I remember, Malcolm, I remember, I remember before you come and joined us back in the, uh, back in the sixties, when, when Joe took over, they used to, they used to train on the car park at St. James's on the car park at St. James's and then go in the gym, which was the old offices when you That's were right. there at St. James's. Yeah. And can you imagine people like Jimmy Schooler coming in and wedging in a tackle on the car park oh, at St. James's? Me. I mean, it makes your eyes water just thinking about it, doesn't it? But I mean, it does. That's, it, that's, yeah, that's it, what they used to do. It really I mean, does. The... Incredible. Mm. As, as for, as for daft stories, and all was very difficult to think about off the spur of the moment when you haven't had time to think about it. But I mean, one of the wonderful things I loved when, when Joe Harvey came to Newcastle, we were in desperate trouble. We were going nowhere fast. We're in the second division. We were full of old stars who were has-beens and not enough good kids coming through. And he had to reorganise the whole of the club very, very quickly. And he built very, very quickly his first side of his three sides. He built three sides magnificently. He built the side that were second division champions. He built the European Fairs Cup winning side. And he built Malcolm's side that went to the 74 FA Cup final. He, he did brilliantly. But when he first, he built his first side around Anderson, McGrath and Hailey, the famous halfback line at Newcastle. And Dave Hilly, who was still around with us today as Superman, was playing up front, Cassius, which was Ron McGarry, was the centre forward and the one promotion um, as champions into the into the top flight. In the first game back in the top flight, Newcastle were at home, and um, Joe was in the dressing room, and the the players were a bit nervous and bouncing the ball and doing everything and chanting each other, and the buzzer went time for it to go out, so. Monker picked up the ball and the players got there and Monker said, right lads, let's get out there. And Joe said, just as Monker got the door, Joe said, wait a minute lads, wait a minute. And Monk said, oh, I thought, here's going to be the pearl of wisdom, what we're going to do to make certain we'll win today. And it's just the last word that's going to open up the door and take all the blinkers off our eyes and we're going to go out there and win. And Joe said, I just want to say lads, whatever happens, don't let them panic you into playing football. <laughs> he was really having, he was having a bit of fun and it broke the ice and broke the nervousness completely. And Newcastle went out and did well. But that was Joe. Whatever you do, don't let them panic you into playing football. And as Malcolm would know, having Joe many, many times, a tactician, he was not. But an eye for talent and buying in the transfer market he was and a man manager he was but a tactician not, not joe strength rachel Don't says do you, do you think we'll see any immediate changes with darren eels taking his position as of monday malcolm um no i don't think so we won't see immediate changes no no he'll come in and look to to get things organized um so that he can work to the best of his ability yeah, give a one yeah. for you from Josh. He just wants to know any news from John Joe uh, Shelby because obviously he went off injured. Yeah, uh, on that other point, just before we get on to John Joe, it's it's almost impossible to have an immediate thing. But I, you know what I think it'll be wonderful at, and that is the link up with the fans. The great thing he was about at Atlanta was the liaison between the club and the fans. He mm -hmm. went out the fan bases. He drummed up. They had the best support in American soccer because he did that brilliantly. I mean, he's got many other attributes that's necessary, but the link, but one of the things we would attract them to Newcastle is the 50,000 war flags 
atmosphere on the day. That's his sort of club. That is what he created in Atlanta, and he'd be terrific at pushing that forward. As far as John Joe's concerned, once you have a hamstring problem, you're not going to play immediately. I'll be staggered if he plays in either of the two games this weekend, which is Friday night and Saturday afternoon. Nobody will play in both games because they're too close to one another. They're both within mm. 24 hours. They'll, he'll feel two totally separate sides, as he did out at Benfica when he played 11 in the first half and a totally different 11 in the second half. He will do that in these two games. I'll be amazed if John Joe takes part in that. And if he doesn't take part in that, I think that will rule him out of starting against Forrest. He may make the bench, he may not. But as Malcolm knows, as you know, Steve, because we've all been around long enough, when you have a hamstring problem, you don't play two days later. No, no. of course you don't. No, of course you don't. You don't. Um, I think you mean Jack Grealish, JCP, Motor Centre. I think something's the uh, the predictive text doesn't work, but I'll get you a feeling. Yeah, I think I think Almiron's been spurred on by Eddie Howe, and and by Bruno's arrival, because Bruno's made him... He's allowed him to come into the game. He's given him a bit of freedom. And there's direction there from how. I think we'll see a new player in Almiron. We did touch on that a little bit earlier. Um, I certainly hope so, Steve. Trippier had a lot to do with that as well. Yeah, Trippier as well. Yeah, 100%. It's... It, there's big there's there's you know there'll be there'll be some players that are going to massively benefit it, it's part he, and parcel of football sure he talks to the to the guys in front and around him all of the time he's a great communicator but at the same time what he's actually saying is so constructive and helpful and so if Almiron is listening Trippier yeah maybe he he he, he can seriously turn the fella around and, and and where we'll see a positive Almiron instead of the uh, the blind alley runner that he's been. Yeah, and that's what he's been. There's no no doubt about that. You know, from yeah. from our perspective, I'm, I'm was... still I'm still waiting to see it. I want to see it on match days. I'm not having a good sure. year at all, but I, I I need to see positive proof, and I don't need to see a preseason. I need to see it when it matters. In John. Over over my years in football, it is amazing how many players shine in pre-season friendlies and then crumble when the season starts. Yeah, but when the pressure's on, they can't take it. Big um, thanks to big thank you to DS for becoming a member. Um, I just want to ask the question. I can't remember who asked it now. Somebody was asking Malcolm about not Forest. Um, and just what we thought about the money that they were spending. I'll give my opinion on that. There's always one team that comes up from the championship that spends an absolutely ludicrous amount of money and then goes straight back down. Um, Fulham did that, Steve. Yeah. And Aston Villa almost did that. They had a rescue on the last day. Yeah, it it was about two two summers ago, wasn't it, John, I think? Yeah. The last time that they, they came up. And they spent, I think it was £111 million. Pound, this is Fulham. And they went straight down. And, Correct. Correct. In the I, following I, season, Aston Villa did the same. Yeah, I stay in contact with a number of people down there. Many old captain, for one, Les Strong. And he's involved at the club. And uh, and, and he said, he said, we spent £110 million, he, he said, and nothing changed on the pitch. Nothing at all. No, no increase in... in talent or, or 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 quality or standards nothing what it's... i find interesting over what forest have done and they've got 11 in now and they're busy doing a deal for a 12th that is enormous turnover now i know yeah. that when they come up they had a lot of players on loan like the middlesbrough lad that signed for spurs etc and they were going to lose them so they had to build a new side but if you look at who they brought in outside of the two guys who were at Manchester United last season, Henderson, the goalkeeper who's on loan, and Jesse Lingard who who got a free, and on no, they have Premier League experience. The rest of the players they've signed are known to the Premier League and unknown to us. They're not top class already established players so there's question marks against them a couple of them might turn out to be su- superstars 
but three or four might well fall by the roadside. And as for Lingard, he's just a mercenary. He's mm. there for the money. If he yeah. had had any ambition, he would have gone to West Ham or he would have gone to us if we continued again because West Ham are at the right end of the table. But you don't want to go to West Ham, who, who are in the top seven, but you prefer to go to Nottingham Forest and join the relegation fight. Don't make me smile. I've got a split lip. Yeah. Paul, is, <laughs> Paul says, it's great to see Everton buying the Burnley team to hopefully ensure the relegation this year. That made us, uh, it didn't make us laugh. Um, Trilist says, George Cook at NUFC told to bring own socks. His club are having issues with a kit supplier. What a nightmare. This whole story thing's been from start to finish. Uh, really, really has. Michael asks Malcolm, uh, what annoys Malcolm the most about footballers of today? What does he wish he had the benefit of back then that the modern players have now? Good question. Mm, yes, it is. Uh, uh, what what I think annoys me is the inability of so many footballers to actually shoot. That uh, um, you know, shooting it's quite simple as long as you're facing the right way. You know, you go half a yard to, to one side and shoot around the defender. Uh, and and I, I, there are an awful lot of players who who just don't seem to have that ability. Um, I, I, I think I think there was a, 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 a greater goal scoring ability around sides back in the back in the seventies uh, than 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 there is now um it, it, you know it it all of a sudden you know it, it, last season that it was quite thrilling when we saw Trippier sticking a, a number of goals in and it was wow we've got a goal scoring right back for heaven's sake you know and it, which was which was unheard of um and uh yeah i it, it, i i've always been of the of the feeling that that if you if there is a chance to shoot don't miss it take the chance and i see too many players these days that uh, uh they want to be absolutely a hundred percent sure shooting can't be like that you have to take the chance um and and, uh, and i think a lot of players these days are afraid of actually missing the target they're afraid of missing and therefore they stop shooting whereas if you're going to score goals you have to miss that's Absolutely. that's how the that's how the game works you if you're going to score goals you have to miss so get used to missing and 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 you work at decreasing the misses and increasing the uh, the shots on target you yeah. once wrote a book called uh, Never Afraid to Miss. Remember that, Malcolm? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Which, yeah. which is what it's about. And I, yes, I, I see far too many players who are afraid to miss. And, and they, have, they have a shot, it goes worldwide, and you don't see them shoot again for three months. Mr. Anderson says, hi, gents. I was hoping to get all three of your opinions on how important it is to have a new striker in and ready working in pre-season so we can get familiar with where he is uh, and the players. Um, I would say it was really important. I've got to be perfectly honest, bringing anybody, any player in, um, you know, towards the back end of the transfer window is obviously going to mm. mean that they're not maybe as fit as Eddie Howe wants them. And, and yeah, they've got to get used to playing with the team. But... I might I might be wrong here, Malcolm, but I would imagine you know if you're a good goal grabber, um, as long as the service is good, you should be able to stick the ball in the onion bag. It might be a bit easier. What's your take? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's absolutely right, Steve. That um, it, it it always helps to to go through the preseason with with all your new teammates um, and and get to know them in the preseason matches, but. Uh, uh if it, it but it's better to get the right player uh and and, and miss the preseason with him you know if if it, if it comes down to signing him on on uh, august the 31st then uh, so be it 
you know, but it, it's more important to get the right player than anything else. I think that's absolutely right. But I think in a perfect world, and there's almost not such a thing, you want your players in early, like we get Target in, like we get Pope in, like we get Botman in. So they, they play the preseason, they play the games they've played, they play the, in one of these two games this weekend, and they get to know them, their teammates. And that's what we're saying. There is another month of the season to go to buy a centre forward. Mm. Let's not panic. It can happen. But in an ideal world, you got your player in early so everybody knows how to play each other with each other and they get the feeling right if you remember one year ago after joe willick had scored all those goals on loan yeah. we signed willick full-time virtually on the last day before the window closed it mm. was i think it was on the 31st we signed joe willick he hadn't trained properly with arsenal he hadn't been taking part in their preseason because he wasn't going to be in the team. And he'd come up here, he ends up with two goals out of 29. He'd come up here, he wasn't fit, he wasn't sharp, he wasn't right. And of course, we then put him out in the sticks. So he was so lonely, it was absolutely untrue. But, but it is a lot, lot better. I've always thought... I can understand how loan players only go out at the end of the transfer window because the club that's going to loan them is waiting to see whether they're going to be kept in the club or they're going to yeah. be put out for loan. The thing that's been happening with Elliot Anderson, who I think is going to stay with us now, and good, that's terrific. Um, but in an ideal world, you want your centre-forward in before now. He's not come in by now, so still let's have him in the next month. But it's not as ideal as it would have been. A couple of minutes left. Uh, just want to, uh, I'm not sure whether you know the news, Malcolm, but uh, Terry Neal has passed away at the age of 80. Really? Yes. I, uh, I didn't know that. Good heavens. Breaking news. Um, obviously, the uh, the Northern Irishman played over 270 times for Arsenal. Uh, yeah. On the captain's armband at the age of 20. Uh, former centre-half went on to manage Arsenal, of course, for seven years. Starting in 1976, yeah. after he crossed the uh, the Great Divide, I guess between Arsenal and Spurs, um, he yes, guided so Arsenal to three straight FA Cup finals, and he saw the side lift the trophy in 1979 with that uh, famous win over Manchester, Manchester United, 3-2. Yeah. But um, yeah, very sad news breaking them. Very up. sad. Yeah, I knew Terry. I knew him very well. Um, I knew him as an opponent, and then as as, as uh, and, and that was both at club level and international level. And then I knew him as a, a as the manager at Arsenal when I signed there. And uh, he, he was a terrific fella, lovely fella, um, and uh, had a great personality about him. Um, I, I, that's really sad. Yeah. Really, really sad. Yeah. We'll finish up with this. And he always looked so fit, you know. So I saw him um, down in an Arsenal match. Oh, well, that was about. Uh, about three years ago and he looked absolutely gloriously well um so uh, i'm i'm really sad to uh to hear that sad news finish off with it finish up with this question then because it goes back to yesteryear robert dowland says uh, hi lads what does supermark think of the diving today compared to the leeds tackles like bremner and charlton how would they do in the old days <laughs> how would asm do in the 1970s man i know but the game changes, times change, and players adapt um, to the style of refereeing, which the, the refereeing today is, is very, very different to what I knew and understood when I was playing. And, and players, they react to how they see the, the rules being interpreted, what they can get away with, with referees and, and what have you. And, uh, yeah, so diving is something that sneaked in. There, there was always, there's always been diving. Um, you know, Manchester City, for heaven's sake, Rodney Marsh, uh, he was forever trying it on. Um, Fran, Franny it, Lee, Malcolm. Franny yeah, Lee. And, and Franny Lee as well. John, I... 
um, in my first season with Newcastle, I finished second highest goal scorer in the first division. I would have been top if it hadn't been for the 17 penalties that Franny Lee the had. Franny got. Well, he, he, yeah. he, he was yeah. known and as was Lee Wan was Penn, a, wasn't he? He yeah. was the Chin, Chinese centre forward, Lee Wan Penn, when he went <laughs> 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 great show great hour as always with me two best mates at newcastle united uh malcolm john pleasure as always lads look forward to seeing you next thursday when we will be looking ahead to newcastle's first game indeed, indeed we will about fabulous. time to Keep great faith, stuff lads guys. take care Keep the faith. bye 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 everyone uh,